Welcome back to one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. Hope you all had a safe and happy, healthy Thanksgiving. Uh, hope you didn't get caught up in... Uh, did you get caught in the snowstorm on Saturday? Coming back uh, from a, a walking Michigan? home, I did. Oh, all right. Wa- yeah, walking home, I did. And then, <laughs> honestly, this is another one that happened. Walking home, I did. And then my horn on my car jammed. So I was like driving down the road and my horn wouldn't stop honking for like the entire way home. So if I if I honked at you on the way home at whatever time at nine o'clock at night in the snow, I'm sorry, everyone. Probably just thought you were celebrating. No, you're right. They probably, the Michigan I was probably just lost in the shuffle and the chaos. <laughs> How are you doing? This is probably a big weekend for you. A, a nice, I, saw you I saw you tweeted the uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah. oh man. Yeah, the final uh, whistle? <laughs> well, people kept, we, I, I have tickets for Michigan and people kept asking yeah. me if I was going, it's like, I cannot go to another Michigan Ohio State game. <laughs> so we had some friends in town. We went and hung out with them and then they all like, they all went to the game and I went, came home and watched with like, my kid's really into it right now. Yeah. He's eight. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like huge, huge into it. So just watch with him. Like, and even with like, oh, well, that's cool. when they went up like 15 yeah. And he started celebrating, like, oh, we're gonna it's over. It's like, don't please sit don't down. Don't you like, dare. No, yeah, right. You're like, it. I'm gonna need you to leave the room and I'm gonna need to watch the next so, quarter in silence. Okay? After they got yeah, that right. fourth down stop, I was like, All right, you can go, yeah. you're free now. Go do whatever you want. Um pretty crazy, pretty crazy day. <laughs> so uh that was a nice pick me up after you and I spent Thanksgiving <laughs> watching, watching yeah. the Lions uh limp to the finish line again. I I tweeted out before the game. I just had a feeling that that might be the day the bears felt like they were in total chaos and mm. it, the lions were in great shape to win it. And then the bears yeah. <laughs> go on a nine minute drive to end the game complete with Detroit finding another corner of the rule book. You never knew existed oh, God. for the flag on back to back timeouts and Chicago kicks the field goal and wins the game and the lions row 10 and one. So uh, it's been a few days. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this. I want to get into some draft stuff. We had a couple mock mm-hmm. drafts out this week, but just looking back now, a few days removed from it. How, what do you think about that ending and what happened there? Uh, you know, it's, it's weird in a lot of different ways. Number one. Yeah. I didn't really know that that was a rule that you couldn't call another. T- it makes sense that it's not, but I didn't know that was a rule either. I think that they're, rationale on it was that they knew it was a rule or whatever, that they were just like, he was going to score a touchdown. But I think like, okay, so there's two things there. Like I can understand if that's what Campbell was really thinking in the moment, like, well, they're going to score a touchdown because we got the three guys on the near side of the field. Don't have the call. Everybody else does. So it's not, you know, they're going to score. So he says, whatever, call the timeout, take the five yards. We'll live to play another down on third down. That, you know, logically, strategically or whatever, I guess is fine. But it also like you're not trusting your players to just go make a play. Like when we watched that back, like I think it was Orwarie was right there and might have made a tackle and it might have been fourth down and you might have gotten, you know, nervous Matt Nagy to kick a field goal instead of going for it. And, you know, (laughs) I mean, that might have been, you know, there's at some point Dan Campbell for all of the concern he's had. And it's rightly so about, you know, making sure that the guy's. You're giving them all they can to make it easier. You got to push the birds out of the nest and see if they can fly. Like they've got to breathe here and step back and just let guys, let guys sort of decide it. You know, I, I think that that's the only way you grow in this situation. And to me, it seemed like that was the greatest example yet of they were just trying to do too much. I don't know. That, that's how I saw it. But you know, I don't. I don't know. Others probably had different opinions on it. But yeah. what was your maybe thought on the same thing? Well, I, my other thing here, I, we don't have a lot to criticize Aaron Glenn about because he's been 
like mm-hmm. a saving grace for this team. But the call after that penalty to me didn't make yeah. a lot of sense either, because at True. that point you're down to one timeout. You either need to stop them on third and four and force a few goal, or just give up the touchdown at that point and get the ball back. What happened Looks was the yet, absolute right? worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And they played, you know, they were playing pretty soft coverage at the line. I mean, that was a free release on a slant. Uh, I think it was Mooney, whoever it was made the catch. Yeah. Um, didn't have anything, anyone in his way between there and the first down marker. He just went and sat down and caught it and got a couple extra yards. So the call coming out of that just sort of that, it, it just added to the effect that everything felt like it snowballed on him. Like it got out of hand right. for him down the stretch there. And they, they couldn't really figure it out because I think, like I said, at that point, you call the timeout. Now it's third and four. You got to get up on guys. You got to, if you're going to blitz, especially you got to be up on guys. Yeah. And they gave up the easy completion. Chicago runs out the clock, you know, kneels down. Nagy calls a timeout for some reason. When the Lions had 13 guys on the field, but uh, the Chicago runs out the clock and, and wins it. So I, I don't know. It was a pretty rough ending. Again, as Campbell pointed out, again, the big overarching problem was that you can't score more than like 14 points a game. But right. Yeah, right. The ending was a mess. Yeah, I mean, they've got the same offensive issues that we've all talked about all year, but I mean, and those aren't going away and everything else, as we know, not this year anyway. But yeah, I think that we've gotten to a point where the frustration with some of the decision making and and a lot of it is, you know, Campbell uh, and it's, it's, you know, I don't know if panic is the right word, but in some of these really tight moments, like they're, they're just doing, they're hitting it wrong. You know, they're not. They're learning how to win too, you know. I think that that's kind of the the process that's happening here as much as anything else. That Dan Campbell's learning how to be an NFL head coach. I you know I think that all these guys are kind of riding it with him. Some of them have more experience than others at this, you know. Obviously, this is Aaron Glenn's first time as a defensive coordinator, and I think some of those communication issues are probably more of a factor of the, you know, you got a bunch of new guys in there all the time. They're young guys. This, that, the other. And then it's also, I think, you know, Aaron Glenn probably trying to find his best process and communication and how all those things work together. So um, I just came away from that one more than anything, thinking like they need to just back off and get back to doing what they were doing at the beginning of the year, which is focus on like individual improvement across the board. Do your thing, do what you do and let other teams react to you and stop panicking in these situations, right? Like that's they're overcorrecting. I feel like a lot, you know, and it's uh, it's gotten to be problem problematic. I'd say. Well, we we've talked about this a ton, obviously, because it keeps coming up. But it, there there was a moment in the post game press conference after that game where uh, Dave Burkett, the you know the great free press mm-hmm. beat writer, uh, asked Campbell if he thought he'd yeah, been conservative, conservative with the play calling, and Campbell you know gave him sort of a like sarcastic smile like oh you think i should have been passing right. more yeah uh <laughs> and, dave was uh, like well i was like dave said dave, yeah I, probably yeah, right. uh, <laughs> so that th- this is this kind of struck me on the way home which is usually what happens i write and then i file yeah, something course, then an yeah. hour later i'm like oh i should have written that instead uh that's that's how you it usually goes for me but that's how it goes yeah. so on the way driving home from the game it kind of hit me why Everything outside of that Rams game plan has bothered me so much, and I think bothers a lot of people probably just because on the one hand, as we've said, they're sort of milking these games just to get to the end, keep it close, Mm -hmm. hang in there with a roster that's not very good, and they've done that a lot of weeks, so you got to give them credit for that. But my problem with that approach is, okay, so you're playing to get to five minutes, 
tight game. Right. Who is going to win those games? Right. It's the team that's better. It's the team with the better overall roster right. and the guys who can go make plays. So you're basically spending 55 minutes trying to grind this thing down to get you in a situation that you've been avoiding the whole game anyway, which right. is that then you have to go make a toe play. to toe and yeah. say, all right, well, let's be better for five minutes. And you're not better. You can't be no. better. And so no. it doesn't make any sense. That's that you're was what struck like me on the they, way home. Yeah. You're hoping that they like just give it to you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And which I guess at some point you think would happen over the course of yeah, an NFL season. So maybe they've been un- right. unlucky. Yeah. In yeah. that regard, that it hasn't happened once or twice yet, but that's really, for me, that's the frustrating thing because I think they spend so much time trying to stay out of those situations, but then it's also their end game is, oh, yeah. let's let's just Great line point. it up for the last five and try to go. Well, you don't have the guys that are going to, those. that's when the best players on the field show up and you don't have the best players on the field. Right. So I think you keep losing a, close games. Yeah, and I think it's it speaks to, you know, it's time to take more chances with some of these guys. It's time to, you know, like the coach, the, the the roster in a lot of places has grown. Jerry Jacobs played a heck of a game out there, you know, uh, on, on Thursday, right? Like they got good stuff from some of these guys. Austin Bryant played well. Some of these guys played well. But as they're growing as players, my question has become like, is the staff growing with them? Because are they now taking more chances with some of these guys and letting them, you know, giving them more rope here and there. Sometimes I question that. Sometimes sometimes I think they are. And sometimes I question that. Like, you know, in, in some of these situations, like we've talked about, where Campbell just won't, won't trust a guy or won't lean on a guy enough or whatever it is or won't take a chance or won't do whatever. And it's not one thing and it's a bunch of areas and everybody knows what I'm talking about. You could all think of a couple in your head, but like... They just keep coming up, and yeah, it's like you keep cutting the game down to these last three minutes and hoping that they screw it up. That was the Pittsburgh game all the way, and they kept screwing it up over and over, and it was like, (laughs) you've got to make one play. You've got to make one play, (laughs) and they can't, because, and it's not because they can't execute one play. It's often because they're not even trying. (laughs) They're not trying to take a chance, and... Those are the moments where Campbell's getting tight and it's like you're 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 getting too deep in the weeds, I think, you know, and I think that um you know, maybe we'll see. Maybe he took the weekend to peel back and Yeah. I was gonna say this is you get like a little mini buy after Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think he he even said, you know, with the play calling situation and Anthony Lynn and all that, he would uh-huh. get through Thanksgiving and then sort of reassess and see. So uh, that yeah. that one has repercussions beyond Yes, someday against Minnesota, because if Anthony Lynn's not your play caller, I mean, Anthony Lynn has no reason to really be here if he's not calling plays. Right. So that's one where if Dan Campbell's not giving him the reins back and it's not moving forward there, you're looking at an offseason where you're going to need a new offensive coordinator and you're maybe shifting schemes a little bit or you're trying to wedge coordinator into what you're doing, which is what failed with Matt Patricia. Like uh, this is this has the potential to get a little messy here too. That was your hand-picked guy. You really wanted Anthony Lynn. And they've all said, you know, it's it's still running well. That's still, you know, he's mm-hmm. still making a lot of the play calls, but we're watching like Dan Campbell is calling a bunch of those yeah. plays. It looks like. I mean, just from what we can tell. So I, I Whatever you this has Lynn, been do you is think not, gets back in? I would have I mean, I don't know if he's totally like you said, I don't know if he's totally ever gone away from it. But I do wonder, yeah, I do wonder if like 
if he gets back to some of the original stuff that we saw at the beginning of the season, where it was like some of their plans at the beginning of the season, you know, made a lot of sense. And I would ask, like, what really is the difference in the roster right now as opposed to beginning of the season? They entered the season with a terrible receiver situation. I guess they had Cephas, but other than, you know, they didn't have Williams. They didn't have Perriman. They didn't, you know... It's the same. So it's like, that's not really that different. You're healthier on the offensive line. I guess not having Swift is a different conversation if he's oh, not bad. God, that's going to be fun to watch. Right. <laughs> but like, you know, there were a lot of those games earlier in the year where Lynn had, you know, was able to find a good groove there and a good balance. And um, yep. that, that's what I would do. And if Campbell wants to be more involved, fine. But like, I would go back to that plan one way or the other. But, you know, if it's something more like whatever the hell this has been, then yeah, I would question what you're doing, you know, going forward. All right. Well, we've had, everyone's had five days to sort of decompress from that. I don't want to keep harping on it. We all saw it. It was another bad performance. We did have two, we waited, I tweeted out, we waited as long as we could. Yeah. Uh, we've had, we ran a mock draft. We did the first three rounds uh, of Lions picks, Nick and I, and then Dane Brugler, our draft expert just released his mock draft on Tuesday, which is a little different than our mock draft. Right. So, um, but at the top is there's this debate has already started to emerge. You know, we've talked about Kayvon Thibodeau, the Oregon edge for a long time. He seemed like he was going to be uh, the number one guy. That's who we picked um, in our first mock. Dane has them taking, has the lines taking Aiden Hutchinson, who. Right. I guess is now a Heisman finalist. Like, I don't know what is happening. <laughs> he was great on Saturday. He's yeah. had a great year, but uh, we came out of that game and he was like third in the right. Heisman. <laughs> yeah. like, where did that come from? Uh, well, but now he's, I mean, I think we've talked about him as being right. We have someone that they would consider there. I think you can certainly make a case for him in a class. As Dane points out, it's not a great class at the top. We know what the quarterback situation is up there. So if you look at Hutchinson, Thibodeau, uh, maybe Kyle Hamilton. He has Kyle, Dane has Kyle Hamilton going eight to the Eagles. But That's if you're Thibodeau, yeah. Hutchinson, mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to be talking about that one for the next five months here now. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and we said that first thing. That's the first thing we said in our mock uh, earlier in the week was that this is going to be, you know, so many people this year have talked about, you know, they've had the hashtags tank for Thibodeau or whatever, you know, or whatever yeah. it is or and all these things, and it might end up being, um, you know, Kayvon. But, and we've talked about this all year, there has not been a better individual defensive player in college football than Aiden Hutchinson all season. Um, you know, I've obviously watched it close covering Michigan, but if you really, I mean, he's played wire to wire, Thibodeau hasn't. Um, you know, he's played more, and this, you know, this game against Ohio State was, I mean, yeah, he's probably a Heisman finalist because it was a Charles Woodson type uh, performance on a stage of that of that ilk, I would say, and that, you know, I think PFF had him for 15 pressures. Um, he had three sacks. Uh, you know, they, a lot of times Michigan will drop eight and just brush three and he gets home anyway. I mean, he has been a dominant player in the like college level Bosa category. Like he reminds me of Joey and Nick Bosa when they were at Ohio yep. State. Uh, and Thibodeau's a bit of a different guy in that he's this just ridiculously fast, like explosive Miles Garrett type guy where you're like, what is going on? Um, but yeah, it's going to be a conversation, right? It's going to be what what do you think is, who do you think is best? And I think that that is the conversation at one right now 
if the Lions end up staying at one, which I think is still a uh, something that we should discuss here at some point. Like, is there a trade market here? I know Dane's got Cal Hamilton down lower, but these two guys at the top are the two no-doubters, right? I mean, I don't think anybody is disagreeing that these are the guys that everybody wants, and they're really attractive players. I mean, I think that they're both like, whoa, type guys. They're not quarterbacks, but, you know, this is interesting. What's your early thoughts on on the whole deal here? It is interesting. I think, you know, people have been in – a lot of the questions I've got is if – this is recency bias on Hutchinson because Thibodeau hasn't had the year right. Hutchinson has had. And he's been – Hutchinson obviously missed a – I think, he, what, he played two games last year, three games last year? Yeah. Um, he, and now Thibodeau's – Not a lot, yeah. Thibodeau's been banged up for a lot of this year, so his you know his numbers haven't been to where Hutchinson's are, certainly. Um, but I think it's interesting because of what you pointed out, too, is you know people want to – the natural thing here is going to be comparing stats, comparing games, and they are like they would, I guess, in theory, play the same position, perhaps in the defense. But yeah, they're maybe. very different guys, right? Very different. in terms of how they win, in terms of where you see the upside, and so, um, y- you know, you mentioned Bosa. Like in this defense, we've talked about this a little bit too. Like Hutch- Hutchinson's a little got a little of the Romeo Quora mm-hmm. skill set and size to him. Anchor, and Thibodeau's may, like Thibodeau's like you're, you're going into like the Julian Okora range. Yeah, yeah like, he's just you all, all really speed. high upside Julian Okora. Like yeah. it's athleticism and speed. And Hutchinson uh, is I, I I mean there's he a, can bend an edge more, for sure. Yeah, yeah there's uh, a but, bit more iron to Hutchinson's game, yeah, and there's a lot right. more gas really to Thibodeau. Right, right? like and, I think that's how. Yeah, and that's sort of what I said to you when we were talking about it. Like I think you could make a case that when you get down to the end of it, it's going to boil down to, do you want the guy who's got a more complete game right now, which I think is probably Hutchinson, or do you want the guy who can be just the pure sort of 25 sacks a year, you know, right. (laughs) Prototypical. Yeah. Speed rusher, like, like just the athletic rusher, because the lions haven't had that guy in a very long time. Um, and someone, man, Thibodeau, I went back and watched him cause I, you know, you've covered Hutchinson, right? I watch him every week. So I, I know, you know, what he can and can't do. I went back and watched Thibodeau and he is just, the way he moves out there is. It's crazy. It's insane. And he's got some plays on there, like even just recognition, you know, dropping into passing lanes and then having like the, his vertical jump, I'm sure at the combine is going to be off the charts. He's got some plays where he gets out in coverage on the, in the flats. Um, There was one against Washington state. I think it was last year. Maybe Uh, they ran to his side and he, dove at the knees of the tackle, took out the left tackle, and then crawled and made the tackle on the running yeah. back. Like, just some plays that guys, even to think to make that play, um, I mean, he's he, there's a reason why we've been talking about him as potential number one for so long. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, what's the what's the downside, I guess, for Hutchinson, as someone who's watched him <laughs> as closely as you have? Well, I think that the thing that Thibodeau has on him is that on Hutchinson is that Thibodeau is um we don't even know what he could become. He's like I look at Thibodeau like I looked at Pitts, uh, different position obviously, uh, and Isaiah Simmons, and that like I don't even know what I, I don't know what he's gonna become because it could be something that we've never really seen. Like that is what I think about when I think of Thibodeau because of all the stuff you just said. He could be a hybrid. He could be a linebacker that you move around. He could be a guy that walks out with tight end. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff you could do with Kayvon Thibodeau <laughs> right. 
that a creative defensive play caller could have a field day with. I don't, you know, and that's the thing that you could say that and they have they have a creative defensive have play caller, right? And so Hutchinson is not that guy. He what? But what he is is known. He is a known quantity in that he is a he is the most complete individual defender um, in college football. I think this year. And maybe the most complete individual player in this draft in that, um, you know, when Harbaugh gets up there every week and says that nobody's been able to block him all year, he's not lying. Like, this is like Bosa-level block domination from from Aiden Hutchinson at the college level. Uh, no one has been able to do anything with him. Everyone has tried everything. Um, he wins with power. And like you said, Chris, I mean, he's not slow. He's incredibly quick uh, in the short area stuff. His agility numbers, I'm sure, are going to be really, really good. His burst is going to be really, really good. Uh, his power is great. He's super long. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, he's the he's a guy, I think, who could play multiple positions up front for you, would play multiple positions up front for you, would do anything you ask him to do. Uh, I joked to you the other day, like, Dan Campbell is going to have a sit-down with Aiden Hutchinson and then ask him to move into the garage above his house or whatever, <laughs> like the room in the garage, you know, like above his garage to like hang out and play like video games with him at night. Like they're going to be like best. They're the same guy. Like in so many ways, they're the same guy. And like as competitors and as, you know, I was telling somebody the other day when Hutchinson walked in after the Michigan-Ohio State game, and of course, you know, everyone knows now if you watch that thing back what he did as an individual in that game to basically, you know, the stuff he makes up for, for Michigan defensively is just insane. He could barely, it took him like five minutes to sit down in his chair. Like this guy empties the tank every time he plays, every time he does anything. I mean, it's like Dan Campbell, you know, on the field, I guess, <laughs> more or less. I mean, I think it's going to be a really good blend personality wise. Uh, and for what they need right now, he's going to be hard to say no to for a lot of reasons, I think, because there's more known about him than there is about Thibodeau. And I think that might be where I would lean on it today. But like, this is going to be something that's going to be hard to go back and forth on as you go throughout. I mean, I don't have an answer. I think we'd like flip the coin more or less on who we picked. I think we went with Thibodeau, but like, it's, it's up in the air. I mean, who knows at this point? I wrote in the comments on that, our mock. And then I think on our Tuesday, we did a I did a reaction mm. to Dane's mock that I don't know that there's another player in the country who's been as consistent snap to snap this year as Aiden Hutchinson. No, I think not. that's what you're getting it. Like right, every yeah. single play you're getting the exact. It never stops. Yeah. I mean, there were even plays like everyone saw the sacks, but there was one of uh, oh, God, Stroud's yeah. incompletions. Right, the uh, down, he yeah. just, uh, Hutchinson just demolished the left tackle yeah. and got it. It was like a three-step drop and he blew up the play. Yeah. After the touchdown, the one that went right over his fingertips to Travion Henderson, he looked like he was going to pass out because yeah. he had been going at such a high level Just for that entire stop. drive. Uh, and it's really, yeah. And that, and obviously that was not, I mean, they weren't playing like Eastern Michigan on Saturday. No, like the, no. That, those guys he was lining up against are going to be in the NFL. Yeah, right. All of them. <laughs> and he's yeah, just working right. them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, it's, I think it is a really interesting debate. It's going to be two different styles. And I, I would also say, just as sort of a caveat, like 
talking up Hutchinson's motor, like I don't see a lot. Like Thibodeau isn't a guy who's out there coasting. No, I, that's, I just don't, don't want to. I just yeah, don't know no, him. And he is supposed I, to be a great kid. Everybody says right. like he is. I just don't top. know him as well. I don't know him as well either. And I'd asked all year anybody who did, and all I've heard is he's like top quality stuff. Same yeah. same stuff right. as like Sewell. It's the same stuff you heard when you right. when you'd ask around about uh, Sewell. That everyone around Oregon's program was like, "This kid is amazing. You're gonna love him." All the things like he's a great competitor, but like a bright, smart, like engaging person and a unique kid and all this stuff. So like Hutchinson's the same way. He's an engaging, bright, different, you know, like infectious. Harbaugh talked about that yesterday about how his work ethic is contagious and this type of thing. I think they're both going to be, they're both going to check those boxes. I think Kayvon might also get the invite over to Campbell's house to play video games at four in the morning. I don't know. <laughs> like, I think they're like in a perfect world. They're probably wanting them both, but you can't have them both. And this is going to be an interesting decision. And I'm not, to- I- we'll see, but like, I'm not totally convinced that somebody doesn't like, Hey, I'll trade you something for one of these guys. Cause they're yeah. both really, really good football players. And I think that that's, not something I'm ready to totally like write off. I don't. I don't know if I would guess that that's going to happen, but I, I wouldn't totally write it off yet either, just yet. The the other thing I'll, I'll just say about Thibodeau real quickly is watching him back is a lot of times when you have those ultra athletic college pass rushers, mm-hmm. that's all they do. They yeah, just right. Go. They it's just run that. by people because yeah, right. they're faster and more athletic than everyone, and so every sack looks exactly the same. It's just him turning the corner on a, a tackle who can't get out of his stance quickly enough. Yeah, that is not no. That's what not you see. <laughs> I mean, he is a pretty diverse uh, counter move game already. I mean, he can go. Certainly, will bend the corner on you, but he can get back inside. He's got a nice spin move. He can use speed to power. I mean, there's a lot of boxes that he's checking off too. So I. Like I said, I think this is a debate that we're probably going to be talking about, but the trade debate is also there. I mean, I think the thing that was interesting as we sort of went through the entire first round, but as I'm looking through Dane's mock too, you know, quarterback is tough to find. <laughs> you know, he's got... Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> he's got Pickett. Uh, 10. Let's see, Pickett, Howell. Uh, yeah, Pickett 10. Howell at 16. Uh, Matt Coral at 19, which yeah, he was at seven, I think, right. when it's in, when Dane initially went through this because Washington won and now is in the playoffs. I know. Um, so they changed spots, but he kept that. I, I think that match stayed, but um, I don't know. I mean, there's not certainly no one that's jumping out at one to me, as we've said. No and the other stuff all. up there is like you're not taking a center, you're not taking an offensive tackle. No, I don't think you're taking Derek Stingley. No. You can just sort of maybe Kyle Hamilton's in the mix, but you just sort of cross out names as you go here. And a lot of the guys who are looking like they're top ten, top fifteen don't make sense for the Lions. No, so Hamilton would be the only other one that I would yeah. be like you know I I would listen to an argument, but it would have to be really impressive. And he is a really good player. But the other interesting thing too with Dane's mock that I thought, like when we were going through it, because um, you know we ended up with we ended up with Pickett. Um, on our as we went through it, but it was like we were both talking like, who knows where these quarterbacks are going to go? And I find it interesting that Dane himself, who did not rate any of these guys like in his top fifty, as he went through his mock, was like, well, I mean, they're, they're not not going to go in the first round, even if they're not, <laughs> right. even if they're not right. top fifty players. These teams are not going to be able to help themselves. Like you know, they're going to take quarterbacks, and he's a thousand percent right. And that's the thing 
I think that we have to keep in mind here all year, really for the next several months as we go into the Lions draft stuff here is like the itch is going to be there for these quarterbacks, whether you think they're good or not. Everyone knows that. So I just, we'll see how this goes. We'll see how Holmes and everybody plays it. Uh, It's going to be very interesting. Very interesting. But right now, I mean, the obvious, there's two guys at the top. That's the obvious choice. No question about it. I think it's Hutchinson and Thibodeau like we've talked about. And I think that's when you're stacking the board, you know, and everybody does this, who's number one on your board. I think that that's where the whole thing starts for everybody. And I'm not sure that everybody has a clear answer on that right now. You know, I think that that would be something that you're going to have to see these workouts. You know, you're going to have to see how these guys do uh, in the spring. And, you know, going to be interested to see how that goes. We know that they'll know those two well, too, though. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, Hutchinson's in their backyard. And they they know Oregon. Yeah, they know Oregon. Holmes was out there mm-hmm. when they played in L.A. He went to the Oregon game when they, whoever they played that UCLA or USC, Absolutely. whichever one it was that yep. week. Like he was out there for a couple of days. Though these are not going to be mysteries no. to them from no. an intangible standpoint. Like whoever they pick is going. If assuming they stay at one, and this is the debate, whoever they pick, you could be pretty sure that they are feeling a hundred percent confident in at that point. Yep. So. I think that's good news. I, I mean, would, I, I you're agree. right about the quarterbacks, yeah. though, because I don't – in Dane's mock – and we sort of had this debate. We took Pickett at mm-hmm. 20 – we were picking at 27 because that was before the Rams – Oh, yeah. Before the Rams, Rams lost again. In Green Bay. <laughs> uh, Dane has him at 23, but we took Pickett at 27. He's got Pickett at 10. So I think to your point, it's like, yeah. well, you're just sort of shooting dice on these guys. Right. But he mentioned for the Lions Malik Willis at 23, Desmond Ritter um, – being a possibility there and he also has i pointed out in the story tuesday he had them picking Traylon burks from the wide receiver from arkansas who's a pretty interesting guy he's like six two he's huge yeah. he's 225 they play him all over the place absolutely but he also had on the board uh drake london was there jameson williams was there mm-hmm. chris olave was there who i know you're a fan yeah. of, and i don't how could player. you not be right um and Jameson, and then, too, yeah. And then I, not even like David Bell, he had going in the second round. He didn't – I don't think he has Dotson from Penn State in this first round. So wide receiver is going to be there, I think, Absolutely for them. will be there, yes. In round one or two, right? I mean, that's – is that – do they have to take one? I mean, I guess – right? we don't know <sighs> what they're going to do in free agency, but – I think they do. I mean, right? I think they do. Like, I was joking with you, like Stafford – Stafford's a couple more uh, collapses away from getting them in Garrett Wilson territory, but that's probably <laughs> that's probably too much too risky, or that's not going to happen. Like I think Garrett Wilson is is going to be off the board before the Lions' second pick, but like there's two, yeah, like all those guys you mentioned are too good, right? Like I just don't think you can pass on those guys, like Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, uh, Burks. Like if those guys are on the board and the Lions are picking in the twenties, I think all of those guys are like. They're going to be good. You know, they're going to be able to come in immediately and help you immediately. You know, a guy like Olave or Jameson Williams, like those are guys that can do similar to what St. Brown can do for them. Like they like to play St. Brown inside and out. Like these are guys, Olave and these guys, they can do anything. They're inside, outside. They're like Devontae Adams types. Maybe not as good, right? Or have to shoot. I'm not saying that. But I mean, in terms of, you know, their makeup and what they do, what they bring to the table. They can run off the slot. They can run outside. They can win multiple different ways. They're modern receivers. And so those are the type of guys I think you need. And man alive, I wish Jackson Smith and Jigba was there for him because that guy is awesome. I wish they could draft him, but they can't because he can't come out. But I kind of do think, yeah, the more we thought about it, it was like, 
too many good ones right there, you know, like, and they have the picks to do it. You need it badly. Like, yeah, I think you got to do that. I think you got to take a receiver somewhere, somewhere in there, either that yeah. second first round pick or that first second round pick, right? Like somewhere in that range. Right. And obviously they have 33 as well, which mm-hmm. is the first pick of day two. So maybe they wait till then. But yeah, I mean, I saw your boy Dan Odolowski compared Olavi to uh, Keenan Allen. Yeah, um, pretty good. You like that? You which, know, yeah. From a route running, I mean, that's all about the route running. That yes. was the thing for Keenan Allen. Like, Keenan Allen ran routes in college. Like, he'd been an NFL player for uh, 10 yeah. years. Yeah, and that's Olave. <laughs> I mean, he's and, right. I was on with uh, Ari and uh, Wasserman and Bill Landis on their Ohio State podcast last week, and I joked, you know, because Olave's been there for 100 years. I think he's got the COVID year if he wants to come back. Like, he's like a seven year veteran playing on a college <laughs> football team. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he's that good. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I just, I was just going to say, like, as you were mentioning, like, it's, uh, I think all those guys too, we talked about Thibodeau and, and Hutchinson being different guys like Burks, Williams, London, mm-hmm. Olave. These are all very different skill sets and very different builds. Like Williams is a guy, you know, he's yeah, he's going to be your downfield home run guy. Olave's the route runner. Drake London's uh, kind of in that bigger, more physical range. I mean, he's he and St. Brown played together before. They'd be interesting to pair together again. They would. Um, and then Traylon Burks, like I said, he, that's – that's the pick, and he's they use him everywhere. I mean, he's played like H back for them at Arkansas right. and slot receiver and everything. So, uh, ah, man, that would be a nice haul to come out of the That's first two rounds. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just the problem again, though, is if you don't take quarterback at one, let's yeah. just assume they're not taking quarterback at one. What do you do? Like, when <laughs> you're just not doing it this year? I don't Are you taking know. someone around too? Like, I don't know. Well, no, that becomes the interesting thing because it's going to have to be a conversation about, like, how are the chips going to fall in terms of the run on the quarterbacks, right? Like, so how Dane had him fallen in the first round there on his board was how I would probably agree that Pickett would be one, Howell would be two, Corral would be three, and I don't think any of them are going to make it past the first round. I think all those guys, when all, all is said and done, I'd be surprised if any, unless somebody falls apart in the offseason here. I'd be surprised if all of those guys aren't first round picks. But, you know, like, then after that, you still have Willis sitting there. Like, do you wait? What do you do with him? Does he slide out of the first? I don't know. Does he make it out of the first round? Does somebody say, like, I want to take a chance on him? And then after that, does it even get, you know, what's the point? I don't know. Like, how many more. Deep down, this is a pretty thin class anyway. How deep, deeper down the chain do you go before it just doesn't become worth it? I mean, I don't – this is an interesting year for quarterbacks. If you're the Lions, do you have to take one here? Or are you watching college football and saying C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and some of these guys are going to be out next year? Just wait. I mean, that's also something that is technically possible. And I know people don't want to hear that, but, like, that's also something that's – Probably should be on the table here, I would think, right? Like, I mean, I, I don't know. What do you what do you think about after these top couple guys? What's worth it? What's not? How far do you wait? Yeah, uh, Carson Strong's the other one that yeah. I don't think Dane has in there. The Nevada quarterback. Oh, right, yeah, has a huge arm, big, but big he arm, yeah. is a pocket guy, and I don't. Uh, yeah, right. For me, I, that's a problem. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe maybe not for everyone. A Western Kentucky kid had a huge year too. Um, but yeah, I'm sort of with you. I mean, if you're not going to take, and that's kind of why we gave him Pickett, because that's just sort of how it fell when we were going through. Pickett was still there. We're at 23. You're like, all right, well, yeah, he's right there. He might be able to beat Goff out for the job. I mean, and, maybe. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, 
he's uh you know he can move around and he's and that's in the, you mentioned Olave being there. I mean, Pickett started in like 1999 at Pittsburgh, and he's been right. there for, yeah, <laughs> forever. hundred years, right? Um, so he's not a guy like that's not a draft and develop guy. That's a he's ready to we go. Want him to come in and compete, guy. Um, I don't know. I I mean, I uh, it feels like they need to take one somewhere. It, it really does. Even yeah. if it's further down, even if you're just taking someone to, and you're. Still admitting that next year is Jared Goff's year, and you're just trying to get to that 2023 draft. And maybe that was when we talked about that Goff contract. It was a two-year window, and maybe that was the plan all along. Maybe they said, "Look at this is going to be a great 2023 class yeah, in right. 2023. Let's go with Goff. Let's draft Brock Purdy in the fourth round, <laughs> and that'll be our guy. We'll see if we can develop him." Like, I, I don't know. I could definitely see them going that route. And I think it would probably freak people out. It's going to freak people out. Now, <laughs> that's the question. Is can you hold... And this is gonna, this is the fascinating thing for me that I still don't know. Is this Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, like, just like, we'll just take the heat. We're just act and pretend. Like you're saying, we're just going to go about this and pretend that Goff's our guy. And then in 2023, <laughs> we're taking all of our picks... And we're trading yeah. it for one, and we're drafting C.J. Stroud or whatever. And everyone's going to be like, oh, shit, what just happened? If that's what they do, fine. But it's going to be hard, right? Like you said, it's going to be hard to stand the heat if you go all that way with like, well, we still think Goff's our guy, and no one else in this draft or anything else beyond, you know, Boyle at quarterback. Mm. Yeah, it gets pretty difficult to sell, so... I, you know, I don't know. Because you're also talking about, when we talk about sell, it's sell, selling to the fans, but also like to the team. Yeah. What are you talking about to the roster? You know, like, I mean, there's got to be better competition <laughs> there. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely an interesting conversation and something where you don't want to make the wrong pick. You don't want to, and you also don't want to just chalk up that you should be able to load up and go get whoever you want in 2023. That's a long time. A lot can happen, you know, right. so... Well, if you're like accidentally better than you think you're going right. to be, then you miss out on those uh-huh. guys. If you win five games next year, you're not getting. I mean, you still CJ got the extra Kyle, pick, probably. right? You still got the, you still got the extra Rams pick. I would think that that would be a nice if you want to trade it, you know, or whatever. But right, like if you if you end up being better than you thought, maybe it's harder to get up there. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a long gamble. Uh, gambling Dan doesn't mind doing that. Scared money don't make money, as we all know. But like you know, I mean, that's a long way to play it off. And that's not, I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, I've thought about that for quite a while here. It's not just Stroud and Young. I mean, we haven't, I don't think we've heard the last of uh, the kid from Clemson either. Um, he had a rough year, DJ. Um, it's his last, I for whatever. I'm not like, even going to yeah. try it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we've, I don't think we've heard the last of him. He's a really nice player. He's very young. Um, there's some other really nice players that are really young in that class that are going to be different than the kids we're talking about in this class. So, if we're talking about a guy like Brad Holmes who knows these drafts, knows underclassmen, that I don't think we should rule out that that's at least somewhere in his mind as a plan, that they're at right. least targeting that that maybe is the year you make a move on a quarterback because that is the better year, I think, right now. I think everyone would agree with that. Rattler? I don't think we've heard the last of Rattler. No, yet. and like that was he the guy that I wondered. Somewhere. He's transferring, yeah. right? So he's in the transfer yeah. portal, I guess. I guess we shouldn't totally rule out the fact that it's not impossible. I don't think that Spencer Rattler could say I'm going to the draft, right? Like it's not impossible. He changes his mind too. I don't know. So yeah, maybe he transfers with Lane Kiffin somewhere and 
That's a great year, and he's a, you know he's back in it. So yeah. you know a lot of things can happen. So I don't think that they have to take a quarterback in this draft. But like, if they can get Kenny Pickett, that'd be good too. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like I think I wouldn't hate that either. So I don't I know. That, Tough call. I, mean, I don't know. All these guys, just like from the PR standpoint, I don't know that any of these guys are going to be an easy sell. Like Kenny no. Pickett. If no, they pick you're right. Pickett, like we said in the twenties. There are going to be some people who are like, what Ooh. are you, why, right, yeah. what are you doing? I'd, I'd rather <laughs> wait for Stroud. Yeah, right. Uh, so I think you're going to have that conversation anyway. I, I did want to come back to something you mentioned, uh, which I'm sure we will talk about this a ton too, but the possibility of a trade, not just because you're at number one in a year where, you know, there isn't a quarterback. So it's interesting from that perspective, but you look at this, the way this draft is structured right now. Uh, with these trades, and you have three teams in the top ten with back-to-back picks. You have uh, yeah, what the Eagles, Jets, and Giants all have. Is that the that's the right teams, right? They yeah, the, yeah. The Jets are four or five right now. The Giants yep. are six seven. The Eagles are eight nine. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and so, if you're that's talking not going to stay like that, right? Like, there's no way. I wouldn't think so. But if yeah. you're talking about if they're if you're trying to sell. It doesn't even have to be Hutchinson or Thibodeau. No. Maybe they want Evan Neal, the Alabama right. tackle or something, or maybe someone. Hey, you don't think Robert Sa- the quarterback? You, you don't think I don't Roberts, know. <laughs> you don't think Robert Solly would give his right arm for one of those defensive ends? <laughs> I do. I bet you if the Jets aren't up at up at four or up at two or whatever, and they have a horrible year, <laughs> we'll see. Some of these organizations aren't good. So, like, I mean, I think all things could be possible. I agree. Well, is there – well, I guess – I don't want to get way too far ahead of ourselves yeah, here. But, but if you I trade mean, down for one, doing. we're yeah. talking about a, a it being a, a shakier class at the top, especially relative to the Lions' needs. If you trade out of one, yeah, what are you doing then, I guess, is well, the question. Is that Kyle Hamilton then? Is that what you're doing? That's what I'd do. Yes, I would draft Kyle Hamilton um, and then stockpile all of those picks. And yeah, I would just get starters. I would just go from there. Because I mean, what would you, I don't know what you, what the exact value chart is there, but one is pretty high. You get a lot for number one, <laughs> even if you got to go down to three or whatever, or four. Yeah, like, right. That's a lot coming back. So, <laughs> right. If right. I can go down to four and get Kyle Hamilton and load up and, you know, have a, you know, 15-year safety, cool. I'm good. Got that. And now I'll go get starters <laughs> everywhere else. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm good on that. Like, if it, if it means I don't get Thibodeau or Hutchinson, but I get all those picks and Kyle Hamilton, like, yep, yes, please. Fine. I'm fine with that. Like, those those are things that I think you have to be open to. And I think that they I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be. Every single thing should be on the table. They still need everything. Right, like there's not there's nothing that they don't need, except right. for right tackle and left tackle and center. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like other than that, I mean, they still need everything. So, yeah, I think all possibilities. I think they're in a good spot again. I think this feels like a good spot. This feels like <laughs> we talked about this when we wrote something a couple weeks ago. Or maybe we said on the show like Brad Holmes has got a major opportunity here, and he's got to hit it. Like the whole front office. All the way down to John Dorsey in the sweatshirts, right? Like this is a big, this is a big <laughs> off season. This is a lot. Right. This is yeah. a big opportunity coming up here. Two first rounders, you know. You got the the comp picks. I would assume coming in, they have a chance to really change this team. And it's not just you know. And we're we're all talking about the quarterbacks, and we're going to talk about all these things going forward. But like, 
the deeper you go into the draft and you can see where they can find value on Thursday and Friday, like they really have an opportunity to come out of Friday with a completely different outlook on where they're going, you know, and, and it'll be interesting to see where they go and where they focus on it and who, and whose voices, I guess they listen to more, right? Like we've talked about that too. So fascinating days ahead uh, yeah. on the draft side of things for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the quarterback con- conversation gets easier too, if you have everything else. Yeah, place, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like this is, that's part of the problem right now is you're looking at it and say, well, if you take a quarterback, you're missing out on a chance at, you know, X, Y, and Z, Building and you need all those things. Yeah, <laughs> so right. just drafting, you know, uh, Sam Howell at 23 move you closer to being a contender? No. I don't know. No. I mean, <laughs> not necessarily. Right not, not, not right tomorrow. Away. But you know right. what? But does drafting but does drafting Aiden Hutchinson at one and Jamison Williams at 24? Yeah. I mean, probably. I think you're better – you're pretty, and then yeah. you go in the third. You go at the top of the second, and you get another starter somewhere. I don't care yeah. where, whatever. Like you're, like that's how I'm. That's how I think you look at this. You look at the Lions have a chance to come out of Thursday and Friday with like five starters, and that's pretty good. You know what I mean? I think that that's how I think you still have to look at this in terms of a rebuild. It's a full on strip it all the way down to the, you know, the floorboards rebuild and that's what this is and if you go into it with that mindset of you don't have to do anything and I still think that the Lions are there I don't think they have to do anything in this draft in terms of have to take a quarterback have to do this have to do that uh and still if you if you if you stay patient and do it that way then I think they they come out of this in a pretty good spot It, it still feels like it's this is why you made the Stafford trade right like this is all the things you did in January you put up with all this crap this year and you're still got six more weeks of it <laughs> before before they get there. But like when they get into the winter and they can really start evaluating and making moves with those draft picks, like that's you got to hit on them. I mean, you can't have a bad year, that's for sure. Well, here comes the three game win streak to take him down. Oh well, yeah, right. Like and that four in the draft. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, so we've got plenty of time to talk through all that. As I mentioned, we had a mock draft up on Monday. Uh, Dame Brugler put one up Tuesday, which. Uh, I also have a story up sort of reacting to his picks. I mentioned he took uh, Aiden Hutchinson at one and then Traylon Burks at 23. We've got uh, who knows how much more draft content. Probably coming. a lot, I would imagine. Uh, probably a lot. <laughs> Lions look like they're going to be coaching the Senior Bowl yeah. uh, in January, too. So we got plenty of time to sort all this out. Um, Lions and Vikings on Sunday, which, uh, Nick, I think you get to miss that one, right? You'll be in Indianapolis. Yeah, I will be, uh, I guess, uh, in route home, probably. Maybe we're doing college football playoff selection show day. Uh, I guess we'll see. Michigan uh, in the playoff, or the uh, championship game for the first time ever. So the joke's about whether or not they will find their way to Indianapolis. And I guess we'll see if they get lost, Chris, on the way the bus actually makes it or uh, takes a wrong turn somewhere. So we'll see. We can uh, pull up that Dan Miller broadcast on the way home. There you go. Check it out on the way back, yeah. We'll see. The Vikings coming in. Uh, Austin Meek will probably make me put the put uh, the headphones on if I'm right with him. He's not going to want to listen to that shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vikings are a little shorthanded. Dalvin yeah. Cook's banged up. They've got some uh, COVID issues there. The Lions look like DeAndre Swift will be out. We'll see Ugh. what happens the rest of this week. Uh, but another opportunity for win yep. number one against the team that's struggling the, yep. somehow in the playoff. Right, right. right there. Well, that's Vikings true. are right there. Right they're there. Right there. Win, yeah, but, they're not uh, exactly. Yeah. We'll be back next Tuesday to break that all down and uh, see if the Lions can get uh, off the schneid here, get number one. And otherwise, 
as I said, we got a lot of draft content coming as we get into December now and, and wind down this regular season. You can find one of these years on the Athletic app. Hopefully, uh, we want to thank all our new subscribers who signed up over our, yeah. during our Black Friday sale. Um, hope you're enjoying the content you're seeing there. If not, we still got deals running through the rest of this month. Um, make sure you get over. You can get our podcast ad-free on the app or find us on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever you listen. Thanks to everyone who has been listening so far, and we'll talk to you soon.